when we say defund the police, there's a lot of people that like to frame it as an anarchist conversation. But what we know as black and brown bodies in this America is that policing never equated to safety for us. I've never felt protected or served by any officers in MPD or any of the other police forces and municipalities that I've visited across this America. So when we say defund the police, for people who cannot understand the nuances in that conversation, what we're saying is revisit public safety. Create systems that actually protect and serve, not just some, but all. Right now, policing in this America is disproportionately biased to affect black and brown bodies, to cage black and brown bodies, to harm black and brown bodies, but not to protect us. When we say defund the police, it means to revisit public safety systems in favor of a thing that translates to justice for all, not justice for some. When we say abolish, it's the understanding that police are funded with taxpayer dollars. Police stations stand up because of taxpayer dollars. They get new cruisers, shields, etc., because of taxpayer dollars. That means that they are a service. And they're a service that is answerable to us. If they're not answerable to us in the ways that we want, we can demand new service. And that's what this is. Abolish the police in favor of whatever that new service will be. Whatever that new service is that resembles justice that the people decide on. This is Just, Just Calm Down, Down with John Shrek. Welcome to Just Calm Down. It is Thursday, September 3rd, hanging out in my apartment by myself. My dog's here. He's doing fine. I know I opened with that dark stuff about my dog last week. Emails are blowing up uh, from Warby Parker. I, I went to their website once and they, you know, these algorithms are scary. Nobody emailed me about the dog, but you know, anytime you visit a website, whether it's J. Crew, Warby Parker, Chewbacca, just got a, I just got a pair of shoes arrived today from Chewbacca. <laughs> I got those Instagram ads are working on me so much and it's uh, infuriating because I was off social media. I was off social media for like a month, right? I talked about that, I think, and it felt good. And I'm reading, I'm reading a book now that's uh, explaining why we, why you need to, to get off of there or at the very least start limiting it. Uh, it was recommended by Joe Rogan, and uh, everything that I do on this podcast is the result of uh, of listening to an episode of Joe Rogan. I will actually be moving from Cincinnati down south, moving to a red state, because that's that's the move right now. Rogan's moving to a red state. I got to do it too. You know, you got you got to you got to follow the industry leaders. And me and Joe Rogan have a lot in common. We've got you know tens of millions of listeners, highly successful, um, shorter than you might think. And uh, not not as funny as people act. <laughs> no, these ads are working on me. I've bought I bought a pair of shoes. I bought this. Check out this hat. This was actually not the result of an Instagram ad, but I got this cool hat. It's a minor league baseball team, and I had to wear it. You know, I didn't have I didn't I didn't have a hat on in those videos from last week, which is bullshit. This is this is my look. This has been my look for the past six months. I need to I need to present that on camera. You know. And I like it. I kind of like the hat look. You know, I don't have to go into my corporate office environment for my day job. So let's lean into this look. I don't want to put. I don't want to put mousse in my hair and hairspray. I do both. That's too much. That's too much for a straight man. I don't know why being straight automatically means that you don't take care of yourself, but 
I don't I didn't create the society. I just live in it. Okay. I didn't I don't make the rules. I just follow them to a T. I'm a follower, not a trendsetter. I will never be an influencer. I will always be an influency on Instagram. I also I I knew that they were already, and I've got a freaking I got an Amazon thing echo right behind the camera, and I've got iPhone, iWatch. I got a microchip in this hat. Probably this, this is it's from Portland. Uh, this is actually the the logo for Antifa. I can you see it? The official logo of Portland Antifa, and I so I get I get ads for shoes because I've bought I've I I clicked on an ad for shoes, bought shoes, so I'm getting a shit ton of shoe ads, and it's working. I want more shoes. I've got I bought three, I've got three pairs of shoes in the past month, and I've needed I didn't need any of them, okay, but they were on sale. And I liked them and, uh, you know, already got all the student loan debt. Might as well get some credit card debt too. Now everything was on sale. I'm like, you know, it's, uh, you're going crazy. I'm not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to therapy. So instead retail therapy, huh? And I'll be honest, I've been so excited ever since I, you know, I, I'm still waiting on some more. I'm waiting on uh, a pair of pants cause none of my pants fit and it's so exciting. You're just waiting around. It's like Christmas all day, every day. You're just like, when's it coming? When's it going to arrive? Is it going to get here today? It says it's going to be here by Thursday, but will it? Sometimes it's not. You know, the U- the USPS is getting shut down. So, you know, maybe it's just not going to arrive. Um, just so happens that n- neither of these packages is USPS flying private. This 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 hat flew private from Portland. So the ad the ads are working on me really well. As soon as I logged in to Instagram after my hiatus, I clicked an ad and bought shoes. <laughs> right away. I spent a month away from it, not influenced by it whatsoever, as soon as I opened it. I mean that that is a testament to how effective those ads are. That's pretty I mean, I'm I'm shocked I'm shocked. I'm shocked by my own behavior, you know? And we 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 are so easily manipulated. I my myself included. I am fully demotivated from participating in anything politics. Why all I want to do is sit here and talk shit for the four people who listen to this. And I think that's probably being generous. I've seen the view count on my Instagram posts, and it's not great. So I know people aren't taking that extra step to listen. <laughs> I, I am contractually obligated to mention that every episode that uh, nobody's listening because that's not that doesn't get old to hear every time <laughs> for, for for the few of you who have uh, loyally listened along to all of these one I appreciate you some of you've reached out some of you maybe haven't but I appreciate every each and every one of you and I uh, I know <laughs> every time you listen in the number changes who how many people are listening I don't know who cares? This isn't for you. This is for me. I'm an absolute psycho, and I can't handle living in this little apartment, this little luxury apartment. They're raising our rent at this place, raising our rent in the middle of a pandemic. It's only 50 bucks, but they're raising it, and it already costs too much for what it is. Like, this is my first time living in a gentrifier's paradise, but, um, you know, this is a newer development, I think 2016, so it's like new shit, but like everything is like slightly broken at some point since we moved in here less than a year ago but uh they're raising rent so that's why we're getting out of here uh no that's not why we're you know move we're moving but that was infuriating to get to get this this letter i was gonna go should i go grab it and read it 
and it's now getting dark in here, so hopefully it's not too dark. Here's what it says. So our rent for this little, like, I want to say 700-square-foot apartment in Cincinnati, so keep that in mind, we're paying 1100 <laughs> But we're splitting it between two people, so it doesn't feel like that much. Um, so, yeah. The renewal date of your lease is fast approaching. Your lease is scheduled to expire in October. You're a valued re- you are a valued resident, and we hope you will be renewing your lease with us. There are a limited number of 12-month leases available, so please contact us immediately. Okay, first of all, that's bullshit because uh, I know that there's open apartments in this complex, including the one right behind us, which nobody lives in, but they have it fully full of furniture, so it looks like somebody lives there, and the lights are always on. They don't show it to people because they didn't show it. Th- we asked to see a two-bedroom, and that's a two-bedroom. So they, they intentionally have an apartment empty. So I know that there's no limit on the 12-month leases. So yeah, th- th- this is what happens when you rent with a corporate. And this is the, the only option for a lot of people. And it's becoming increasingly so. And it's going to continue to be increasingly so as um, all of the regular people go bankrupt as this pandemic rages on and uh, the banks and corporations buy up all the property. If you plan on staying with us, below is your re- your new renewal rent rate. Please note, this does not include any additional fees, i.e. pet, utilities, storage, etc., if applicable. 12-month lease. Currently, our rent is $1,075. New rent, $1,095. Wait, I'm going to have to erase all this because it's a $20. $20 difference. Fuck off. Whatever. Still annoying. They're raising rent in the middle of a pandemic. Like, hey, you don't have to raise rent at all. You can let us live here for free, fuck faces. You don't give a shit. So we're getting out. That's not why, but I wanted to bring it up and it was going to be a better rant, but it's not even fi- it's not even $50 more, $20 more. I need to learn how to read. This is uh this is this is why you don't take anything that I say seriously, you know? I I I proposition I I position myself as someone who is uh who is a deep thinker. Strong writer. Uh, no, I'm just a fucking idiot. And I clearly don't read very closely because that's been sitting on my fridge for three weeks. And, uh, this whole time I thought it was a $50 difference, $50 more. Cause I read the total cost on top of, cause we pay fees and stuff. We have to pay for whatever. This is not compelling content. Probably scrap all of that shit. It's getting dark, but it seems like the video is still working. So I don't know. I need to get some kind of light. I can't use the lights that I have again, not, this is what is this? The meta, the meta podcast talking about a bunch of shit no one cares about. That's every podcast talking about a bunch of shit no one cares about. So I guess I'll start, man. So I did that show at uh, at Go Bananas Comedy Club in the parking lot. It was amazing. It that it is the best that I've felt doing comedy in a long time. You know, I've had some fun sets. Uh, most recently, uh, which was almost a year ago, which uh, was when I went up to the Skyline Comedy Club in Appleton, Wisconsin, and that that felt really good. But like you know, when especially when you don't work at pretty much any other clubs besides my home club, um, I, I'm not I'm not trying new stuff. I'm not um, trying to uh, ruffle feathers. I'm just trying to do the stuff that I that I know works. And sometimes that makes it uh, a little bit more dry, which whatever. They're, they're jokes that I wrote. I like telling the jokes. But um, obviously with this podcast where I talk, I talk shit, I talk politics. Um, that's really what I, that, that's, that's like a big part of what I want to be doing is talking about shit like that. 
And uh, at this show on this past Saturday at Go Bananas, I got to do that. And uh, it it was fun. It was so much fun. And uh, I don't know. I I didn't get a lot of big laughs from some of the darker shit. Uh, some of it was was like a pl- I I I, uh, I further developed some of the things that I said on last week's podcast that turned them into jokes, and you know some got groans, some got whatever, and some some comics would say uh, it's all about the laughs, laughs and nothing else. But I don't know. I'm I'm of the opinion that sometimes. I mean, I like a laugh. I'm not. I'm not trying to get clapped, or I'm not trying to get the audience to say, "Oh, what a brave person you are." I, I, I'm the opposite, really. I want the opposite. I want. I want people to either laugh at something that they wish they weren't laughing at because it's like too. It's like fucked up, and it makes them feel bad about themselves. Uh, and like calls attention to like uh, inconsistency in the way that they live or think. Or, um, whatever. I, I like. I I enjoy. I enjoy a good groan as long as the groan doesn't turn into people getting mad and storming out. I want. I want some. That's it. Laughter is an unintentional response to something. It's your body's natural. It just it does it. You don't think I'm going to laugh now. You just laugh. You hear something that makes you laugh, and your body just does it. There's a word for this. I have a degree in English literature that I'm still paying off, but I can't think of it. That must be that must be a disorder, like dyslexia, but you you have a word in your head and you can't you can't get it. It's right there, but you can't pull it out. I have it constantly. I'm sure everybody has it to a certain extent. I have it constantly. All the time. When I'm on work calls, when I'm doing this, when I'm doing stand-up, I will be in the middle of a sentence and I'm like, uh-oh, that word's coming up, and I can't remember what the fuck it is. Sometimes when I'm on stage, I'm able to get it. It just comes. But like right now, I got I, nothing. So much so that I'm uh, ranting about the fact that I can't think of what the goddamn word is. Involuntary response. You see, I got to it eventually. This is the kind of training that they give you as a as a as a major in English literature. They teach you how to talk your way through remembering what word you're trying to say. <laughs> So I, I just want I want that involuntary response, whatever that involuntary response is. If it's a laugh, hell yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways that type of groan that I described of like a of like a ah shit, I am a hypocrite, or like I you know that that thing is bullshit that he just brought up, um, or there is an inconsistency there, it, almost a realization, um, but it's like a resp- it's just like, it's a guttural involuntary response much like a laugh and i i don't know i enjoy that and these the, you know these are these are brand new jokes i did my my entire set i think was new jokes except for the very no they were all new uh so that felt good that felt good to do all new jokes in this context uh and to just know that i'm capable of doing that and just going for it and uh just like bang 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 so it was a short set too it was only 7 minutes and i thought i was doing more than that so it forced me to, i was thinking all day about the jokes and then by the time the show came we you know get to the show and they're like you're doing 7 i'm like oh shit okay we'll take all that stuff out we're going to do just the new cuz it's you know it's topical and it might not it might not even be relevant a week from now which not great for building an act but uh especially for making these videos doing the podcast i don't know how many live shows are we gonna be able to do in the future? Like, I don't, I don't, I, I want to build an act. I want to continue building my act, but like at the same time, like, what, what is, what's the point of it? 
there's outdoor stuff happening. There's more comics going on tour, doing like drive-in theaters and outdoor amphitheaters and things, which is awesome, and more parking lot comedy shows. But like, what what is the future of comedy right now? Um, so focusing on these like more topical jokes that I can turn into this. I like that. And if I can also do those jokes in front of an audience, maybe record it, put it out there, that could be fun too. Um, especially if it's kind of an averse response that doesn't get booze, but just like, a, oh, God damn, shit, this country does suck. <laughs> we, are, we are totally screwed as a, as a people. What an uplifting thing to, to, to bring to the people who came out to see a comedy show, but, but get over it. I'm an artist, and I have things I want to say. Okay, so thank you for making it 20 minutes in. <laughs> Good God. Good God. And I keep taking the hat off. I don't want to, whatever. I'm drinking a beer. But hey, if you missed the first two shows that I did, I've got one next Friday. If you're listening to this the first week of September, Friday, September 11th. So you're not going to forget it. You see what I did there? I used a hack joke and then I pointed at the camera pretending like we're in on this together. No. Unlike George W. Bush and Dick Cheney, we are not in this with the terrorists. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I am I am I am falling apart. But hey, but hey, if you want to come to a comedy show next Friday, 9/11, never forget, September 11th in Northside at the Comet. It's going to be at 7:30. You have to buy tickets. There's not a lot of tickets available, so if you want to come to it, do it. But Comet's got delicious food, burritos, quesadillas tacos good selection of drinks for pretty cheap so come out it's outside it's out back they've got like a little alleyway behind the building that they've turned into this comedy alley it's called comedy in the grotto there are tickets online i'll, I'll put a link <laughs> i'll put a link in the description i'm sure a lot of people are gonna click it and uh, i'm gonna sell this show out but uh, i believe some of the proceeds go to the naacp so that's great uh the rest of the proceeds go to the comics on the show so you can support local artists. You can support local, uh, you know, NAACP. I said the full. I said the full acronym because I, 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 I don't feel comfortable saying the name. So with that out of the way, I guess we'll talk about whatever the dumb bullshit's going on in the country right now. I know that my opinion is very important in the context of the world, and that's why I'm putting it onto the internet so that potentially I can uh, be denied employment in the future when they find this on the internet and they listen and they say, wow, this guy, we're not going to hire him, um, which is... Good, uh, which is a good context to do everything in, you know. Think about how you might lose money instead of uh, turn this into your career because you are a self-sabotaging little piece of shit. What? It's I don't know what I don't know what that adver that advertising. I don't know what that contact that my brain. There it is. My brain doesn't work. So I guess we can get into it. That little seventeen-year-old shithead is in jail, um, juvenile detention center, what have you. Um, of course the right is trying to frame it like he is the victim, like he was defending himself, like, um, like the protesters are the ultimate bad guys. Like th this is something that the, that the, that the right is pretty talented in doing, um, just being unrepentant pieces of shit, just no, no worries whatsoever. Um, Tucker Carlson, <laughs> Tucker Carlson 
goes on and defends him. I think the night after the shit went down, he says, how shocked are we that 17 year olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would, no one else would literally the cops were working with these little shitheads, not even little. There's a, there were adults too. It just so happened that, that the one without a fully formed frontal lobe is the one that opened fire on protesters. So they're, they're spreading this shit. Like, like he was defending himself, like he was just on his front porch being a good, good little boy when Antifa soldiers came up and started harassing him and uh, threatening him with with violence and uh, explosives and guns. And and he just had to defend himself. It's like, motherfucker. No, he opened fire on a person. Then other protesters started uh, apprehending him, shoots one of them in the face, another in the arm. Hopefully the kid goes away for his entire life. Uh, there is no justice in this world, so he probably won't go to prison at all. He'll probably be headlining the RNC in 2024. God God willing, we can we can hope. But like that framing that Tucker Carlson gave in his... It, I'm not someone who freaks out about these goddamn Fox News hosts. They're doing... They're, they're, they're grifting. I don't really give a shit. They're all, they're, they're just rich out of touch assholes trying to make even more money from their billionaire owner. But he says, how shocked are we that 17 year olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would. Oh, you mean the motherfuckers walking around with long rifles, maintaining order by agitating protesters who do not have long guns. I like how the right tries to pretend like, Maybe a Molotov cocktail. Very, very few demonstrators. Molotov cocktails, that's comparable to the police with chemical weapon, multiple chemical weapons and firearms and these militias with, you know, AR-15s and like, you know, got and, and, and they're armored up, bulletproof vests and all this shit. But the the real the real destructive people are the ones that are make that are making firebombs out of uh, out of glass bottles and gasoline. Like, okay, whatever you say. And I don't even know if are people really making Molotov cocktails. I haven't I haven't seen any videos of them. I've seen people light fires on some of these live streams. But like, like oh, I'm Tucker Carlson. How shocked are we that a 17 year old that wants to be a cop and even went to cop training. He went to some like little kids. Co- this this kid is like if Dwight Schrute was a real life person. Dwight Schrute is funny in the context of a comedy show and and not reality. This kid he wants to be he's like wants to be a deputy sheriff and there's this, this picture of him with his mom with this stupid ass hat on like he graduated from the little cops academy and it's like literally done with the police force to I don't know recruit youngsters into being little little neo fascists. It's like, oh, I can't believe the kid that wants to be a cop decided to shoot unarmed people in the face with a stolen AR-15. And the cop, you know, the cops on the scene gave him the implicit go-ahead to do it. They're there giving him water, saying, thank you for being here. Hey, help us kettle these motherfuckers, and then we're going to bounce. So if you're on the right and you're listening to anything that people like Tucker Carlson are saying, or even tr- like Trump saying this shit, I'll, I'll play a clip later of some shit he's talking about with soup. These motherfuckers are so, they're so full of shit that it's like, it's not even, I don't know who they're talking to. People must believe it. And if you're listening to this and you believe it, I have to, I have to question your ability to be a human being. What are you talking about? One side has guns. The other side does not. 
You think that's fake news? Because the militias brag about their guns. The cops show up armed to the teeth with their fucking tanks and their, you know, their full body armor to go up against people with either no weapons or or cans of soup. That's my Trump impression. Cans of soup. That's how Trump speaks. In the way that all of these media outlets, and this this speaks further to the idea that there's no such thing as a liberal media because this was every media outlet was pulling this shit where they are painting this 17-year-old white kid as like some little saint while you, you know, everyone else is doing all this work. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm the one that found this shit, but like, all right, here's a guy breaking. Wisconsin authorities say there was a knife in Jacob Blake's vehicle. Jacob Blake was the gentleman uh, that was shot six times in the back, seven times, six or seven. One's lucky, the other's the devil. He was shot many times in the back. He is now paralyzed. He's not dead, so good for him. Paralyzed, shot in the back. The news, the news comes out with these headlines. He had, it turns out he had a knife in the car, a knife that the c- cops didn't even know about. Oh, wow. Must be a thug. Must be a criminal. Black guy had a knife in his car. He might have been reaching for that knife. That's why I had to unload into his back. There were uh, approximately zero headlines that said anything like, breaking news, there was an AR-15 in Kyle Wuss's tits' hands when he murdered two people with it and injured one. Dude murdered people with a gun. <laughs> and they're painting him like, and then this, well, let's, let's see, do I have this? These are both headlines from the New York Post. Jacob Blake had a knife in his car when he was... In police, wait. Jacob Blake had a knife in his car when he was shot by police. DOJ says, and then it's a picture of him looking looking a little thuggy, with like some really. He's like working at a head shop. It looks. He's like a picture of him in a head shop. Not not a flattering picture. They could have found the best pic. They could have found a nice picture of him. Here's the next headline: Suspected teen gunman Kyle Rittenhouse spotted cleaning Kenosha graffiti before shooting. This little saint was scrubbing paint off of walls. What a sweetie pie. Oh, he's a he's a little boy scout. Murdered two people a few hours later. A little perfect angel. I don't know. To me, it looks like Kyle Rittenhouse is applying an unknown chemical substance to a building. But Kyle Rittenhouse was no hero. There's a, there was a video that came out later in the week of him punching a girl in the face. And it turns out that he's got a criminal record. Of course, these same media outlets that like to report on the fact of, of any interaction with the police that a black person has had after getting murdered by the cops, any interaction in the past that they've had with the cops, that means, oh, they, they probably deserve getting shot to death. Kyle Rittenhouse ha- has a criminal record as a teenager, doesn't get attacked for that by the media. So fake, fake news is real, just not the way that Trump pretends. Well, some of the ways Trump pretends, and then also more. It's used to stoke fear, to stoke division, to stoke racism specifically so that we all continue fighting amongst each other instead of uh, toppling the capitalist class. So as I was recording last week, uh, something historic was happening in the sporting world. Um, The Milwaukee Bucks opted not to show up to their playoff game against the Orlando Magic in solidarity with Jacob Blake in solidarity with um with with all black people gunned down by the police and there that that caused a domino effect of other teams deciding that they are not going to play uh the MLB decided that, that they're not going to play 
they canceled games. The Reds canceled a game with um, the Milwaukee Brewers. And when I say canceled a game, I mean they 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 went on uh, they went on strike. They decided they're not gonna play. And over the course of that evening and the next day, uh, everyone's rumbling. I know I f- I felt this excitement. It's like this this is the generals. Here it is, the general strike. It's coming, and our heroes in sports are gonna start it. What? What what just like a, a storybook way for this to happen for something that's incredibly necessary to happen and for it to happen in this way where it's like LeBron James helped get it going he got the general strike going um and I know I I should have looked more into it but everyone was saying hey don't forget about the WNBA the contributions that they've made and uh, you know they they most notably most vision you know uh optically um showed up to their games wearing t-shirts with artificial uh bullet holes in the back made a demonstration and um they've been kind of at the forefront of the black lives matter movement from the very beginning um so not to take away anything that they've done whatsoever but we're also talking about two very different um contexts you know the the, the nba the nfl the mlb these I mean, they, they, they're covered by ESPN. They are, uh, I mean, they're huge. They're huge. This is the, a strike is the most effective when it can, uh, you know, most have the most impact on capital. And every one of these NBA teams is owned by a billionaire, a white billionaire with a lot of power and influence in the city where their team is. And in the country, let's be real. Every billionaire has a thousand times more influence over the way that this country is run than any voter. So uh, sleep tight. Voting's important. But this was very exciting. And uh, people are thinking, what what are they going to demand? And they got a couple of good things. But ultimately, um, it was a farce. Farce is not quite fair. I don't want to take away what they did and the, the the power move that it was to to even to even sit out one game um and and cause that kind of disruption I think in terms of public perception people can see wow I I can have you know not I can have but a strike can have that kind of impact on the society the main the only real concrete demand that is being acted on as the result of this strike was turning all of the NBA stadiums into polling places in November, which is great, especially with social distancing in mind. Hopefully some of the NFL stadiums do the same because they're even bigger outdoors, make them all polling places. I don't know. I don't know the logistics of how that's going to work. I'm not probably going to vote in pub in person, but it's good, but there there was there was a player or a, you know what I think he's an announcer now. I've I've got the video right here, and he says some things that I that really resonated with me. And this was before they made the actual demands. This was as everything's unfolding and people are like either walking off the court or you know there were there were even some announcers on ESPN or these different networks who say you know um, in solidarity with the players I'm I'm out I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. Um, and not do, you know, not give the breakdown about what's going on. So what this guy said really resonated. 
Nothing will change tomorrow. We know vote. We keep hearing vote. Everybody vote. But I'm here to speak for those that are always marginalized. Those that live in these neighborhoods where we preach and tell them to vote and walk away. Charles Barkley came to my high school. Just seeing him in the locker room, seeing his hands and his body, that inspired me. You can't see something. You can't be something until you see it. And when I tell you the little kids that have called me upset, I have a godson that has autism and I just had to explain to him why we aren't playing. I have young nephews that I've had to talk to about death before they've even seen it in a movie. If not now, when? If not during a pandemic <laughs> and countless lives being lost, if not now, when? That's, that's all I just want to hear from the rest of the night while everybody's pontificating and thinking and soapboxing and all of that. We know nothing is going to change. We get it. If Martin Luther King got shot and risked his life, Mega Evers, if we've seen this and all of our heroes constantly taken down, we understand it's not going to end. But that does not mean, young men, that you don't do anything. Don't listen to these people telling you don't do anything because it's not going to end right away. You are starting something for the next generation and the next generation to take over. Do you have to be smart? Yes. Do you have to make sure that you have a plan? Yes. Do you have to be articulate about that plan? Yes. All of those things. But that's what you're going to do. They're professionals. They know how to be the best of themselves. And so I applaud it. I applaud it because it is the young people. It is the young people leading the way. And I applaud them. So the part that resonates the most with me and that was the most inspiring to me was that first part when he says everyone talking about vote, vote, vote. But then nothing changes. So for the ultimate result of this strike... And I, I know that this is not the end, I hope. I hope it's not the end. But for the ultimate result to be more polling locations, and they did get some other kind of soft concessions, like they'll reserve certain ad space at, you know, on TV and probably at these stadiums for you know, um, black rights organizations and, and advancing equality racial equality, which is not nothing, but it's also like this, this was a unique opportunity of this, this season wasn't even a given, like these playoffs might even be happening. I'm talking specifically about the NBA. I know that the major league baseball and the MLS and maybe the NHL, they're all, they also were kind of in solidarity, kind of looking to the the NBA, like the NBA was kind of leading the way on this. And a lot of people were hoping that this meant that they were going to pressure their owners to pressure the police in their cities to uh, fucking stop. <laughs> Not even specifically that, but like pressure the government in the city. The, these, these billionaires own the city government. Cincinnati is owned by PNG, by the Bengals. That's why they gave them a fucking free stadium by FC Cincinnati. Like these insanely wealthy people run the city. City council's in their pocket. The mayor's in their pocket. Cincinnati's not unique. All these cities are like this. So use the power of your strike to force these cities to defund the police, to put real concrete policies in place 
so that this shit stops happening. And then who knows, maybe a few more things. Like be bold with your demands. The sky's the limit. Just do it. What do you got? What have you got to lose? And if not now, when? Like Chris Weber said. And I think the mo- you know, so so for the whole thing to just end up being a like a, a, a get out the vote thing, which while yes, voting's important. If you're thinking about not voting, what the fuck are you doing? Vote. Just vote. It's not hard to do. Just fucking vote. Unless you're gonna vote for Trump, in which case Kill yourself? I don't know. You do whatever you want besides vote. In fact, Trump said, I think yesterday, that he wants his uh, he wants his supporters to vote vote twice, vote twice. See see if uh, see if this absentee ballot thing, this mail in ballot thing, is really as secure as they say. Vote twice. Come out voter fraud. Go to federal prison to own the libs. Do it. So yeah, if if you if you're thinking about voting for Trump, maybe do that. Vote twice. Uh, make sure you spell your name correctly. Put your address, um, anything you know, social security number. Send it my way. I will. Um, I'll, I'll make. I'll make sure that your vote counts double. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna like vote, vote. I, I'm. I'm very critical of the Dems, as everyone should be. But uh, vote. Voting is important, and th- it is. It is cool that now these stadiums are going to be a voting location. Hopefully, lots of uh, people who are generally more disenfranchised and would be even more so in the middle of a pandemic uh, that makes things more accessible to people. So like that's a net win and I don't want to pretend like it's not, um, but it just could have been so much more and it could have led to a general, because I think they all took, maybe some of the teams went off two games. Um, that might not have happened because like, as soon as the strike started happening, the owners and the league started being like, oh, games are canceled tonight, but there's no strike going on. We're canceling the games. It's not happening. we got to take away the power of the proletariat. This is a, we, we can't have anything like that. Uh, and actually, this guy, the angry sociologist, had a really great tweet about that. Um, he said, striking and rioting are two tactics that the ruling class can't afford to have masses of people see as legitimate pathways to social change. And that was a thousand percent demonstrated with this strike because they went back to work. And why did they go back to work? Because um, when they had their discussion with the owners, uh, they looked to Barack Obama for advice. Barack Obama, who ran in 2008 on the platform of he's going to put on a soft shoe and walk the picket line with striking workers um, and uh, has never, never followed through on that shit. He encouraged him to get back to work, get out the vote and get back to work. Dribble, Dribble, bitch. Go dunk the ball, LeBron. And I know that it's um, perhaps naive for me to think that someone is as wealthy as LeBron James and uh, as, I mean, let's be honest, you get to a certain point of how rich you are and uh, you become disconnected from reality. Um, and he's just not radical left. You know, he's like, he's like a liberal, but he's not like radical. Um, so talking to someone like Obama, it's not going to radicalize him more. And if anything, it's going to encourage him to be like, no, let's just, let's just get back to work. We made our point. We skipped one game. Uh, let's just get back to it. You know, we got these voting locations and that's all, that's it. We don't need, we don't need to put pressure on our local governments to stop this shit. Let's just make it easier to vote. And, and, uh, you know. (laughs) I mean, it is just so incredible how quickly we went from we're going to have a general strike to don't strike, vote. Obama is really showing who he really is. You know, I've, I, I, I still have a soft spot for Obama in my head, a little soft spot because my brain's not fully developed. 
And, um, you know, I like being abused and I keep coming back. No, like I, the, the, I voted, I voted for him. The first time I ever got to vote was for Barack Obama. And that, uh, it was amazing. And, um, I got, I touched his hand at a rally in 2012. It was awesome. I was a huge fan. I was a huge fan until a couple of years ago when I started, uh, becoming aware of the, the bullshit that he pulled and, um, the wool that got pulled over our eyes in regards to him. And, and just as more time goes by, the more it's, it's, uh, proven that he's just full of shit, fake progressive, fake, li- you know, li- liberal to his core, you know, in terms of the fact that he's like a conservative, um, pro wall street. Uh, and he is, he is proven to be such an incredible asset to the ruling class and it's upsetting you know he coordinated all of the other democratic candidates to uh unite and prevent bernie from getting the nomination and he uh he busted he busted the nba strike he's good he's good not in the ways that we want him to be but he is fucking good that's his job what did they say he was the fat from 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 the white house to wall street faster than any other president we know, we, you know who he works for. I bought, I bought, I bought into the idea that like he couldn't get anything done because of Mitch McConnell, and to a certain extent, that is true. And really, I had this realization earlier this week, but just how much, how much I was misled into believing that Bernie could actually pull this off, could actually win the Democratic nomination because of Obama, because we saw that Obama came from out of nowhere and wasn't a favorite of the party. He was an outsider. And he was this uh, sort of radical. I mean, they they paint everyone as a socialist, but you know he was calling for for healthcare for everybody and all and all this stuff. And so that gave gave us this false hope that Bernie Sanders could do it too, because they're the same. They're running on the same platform almost, except Bernie's actually going to deliver on it because he's he's proven that that that's the stuff that he stands for for decades. And <laughs> to find out that Obama was just faking it and that Wall Street was never concerned about Obama. The people who were freaking out about Obama were the the reactionaries, the Fox News hosts, the the, the racist radio shock jocks on on AM radio, the actually racist people across the country. Um, the, they were the ones freaking out because the Muslim name and he's black and he's a socialist. And um, but the, the the powers that be, the capitalists, they were totally fine. And oh man, I wish I remembered. I saw it was a quote from like a socialist writer back in 1996, 98, and they were specifically referencing Obama and just the way that he's pro- he's positioning himself in, uh, in in the Illinois government as this kind of maverick, this 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 lefty, this progressive, and but how he's he's well funded and well liked by the capitalist class. So it's not that Obama became president and then was corrupted by the system it's that he was corrupted probably at harvard probably or somewhere between harvard and getting into state government but he was he was corrupted well before he was president Uh, the whole time he was fooling us and i mean my feelings my feelings aren't hurt it's disappointing but it's it is what it is and it's uh, just a further demonstration of of what we're really up against you know the guy, the guy that I that was proof positive to me that Bernie Sanders stood a chance was the same guy that is the reason that Bernie dropped out. Barack Obama is the reason that Bernie Sanders is not the presidential 
comedy right now. Barack Obama is the reason that the Democrats are not up 20, 30 points on Trump in the polls right now. Barack Obama is the reason that Trump might win again. Because he it's not that he couldn't even not meddle in the election. It's that it's his it was his job to. He was gonna stay out of it as long as he could. And once once his bosses said, Hey, time to get in there, bust that shit up. Bernie's gonna win. You gotta do something. And people aren't gonna suspect you for it. In fact, they're gonna thank you for it. Get in there. Stop this movement. And he did it. And Bernie rolled over. And it's infinitely, infinitely disheartening and fraud. I had an Obama poster on my wall for a good eight years. I Obama camp Obama come came. I had an Obama campaign poster. I even got it framed, I think in 2015, had it up on my wall during the 2016 election. Um, until I moved out of the place I was living at that time. And uh I know that doesn't mean any, it means something to put it up on the wall. I mean, it's a cool poster. So just like, I'll, I would probably, st- I would put it up in here. I just haven't because it's a cool poster, but, um, you know, it's legit to have a, to have your hero be the villain literally. And to be like potentially one of the worst villains because he like seems cool and probably is cool and, um, gives really impactful speeches and, in some ways had a big influence on 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 uh, my political development especially now especially now in radicalizing me against these neoliberals this um this establishment corporate fucking gangbang so no general strike when people start getting evicted which might not happen now um i don't know some some federal was it the cdc basically they said they're putting a moratorium on evictions for anybody making less than $99,000 a year. Um, and by moratorium, I mean they're going to owe all of it in January. If So we're just going to start evicting people in the middle of winter. That's what we're going to do instead. We're not going to do it right now, which is good, but it just means we're going to do it later. And um, and I don't, see, I don't see Biden winning making that any different. As disappointing as that is, he's not, he's not moving left. He's not coming to get anyone's vote. Uh, he and Trump are basically fighting over a very slim margin of the country, basically like pearl-clutching rich white women in townships called Westchester across the nation, making sure they feel comfortable with the fact that they're not going to be unsafe because they're going to take care of the riots and, um, you know, not going to get rid of fracking, not going to ban fracking. Biden said that this week. Listen, I'm not going to ban fracking. What do I look like? Some kind of crazy socialist? Someone that wants you to stop being poisoned by the water that you drink? Rural America? I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to ban fracking. I know you're I know you're dying and poisoning your children because fracking is poisoning your waste your wastewater. Your drinking water? No. We got to save the couple dozen jobs that fracking creates. And it's green energy in some ways compared to fossil fuels. Does fracking count as a fossil fuel? I don't know. I don't think so. It's natural gas, right? I watched Gasland on HBO. I know that you can set your water on fire if you have fracking nearby. You can turn on the faucet, hit a lighter, and it turns into a blowtorch. Biden's not going to save us. I can't help. I can't help but think that I have to vote for him, um, so that we don't get rounded up into fucking camps, <laughs> which felt reactionary after you know a year of Trump. We're like, ah, probably not as bad as we thought it was going to be, at least as a privileged white person. Now I'm like, I, he, might, he might just put all of us in camps. Anyone that's tweeted a negative thing about him, he's sending these 
cops and putting people in unmarked vehicles in states across the country. I mean, it's working. There's a demonstration here in Cincinnati tomorrow down at the police precinct, and I'm not fucking going. I'm not. I'm not risking it. Fuck it. Nothing happened here in Cincinnati recently, and uh, it's a terrible excuse. But I'm a terrible person, and I'm a I'm a poser, and I'm afraid. And this podcast is too important to the movement that I need to keep myself safe. Um, so yeah, that brutality is designed to keep people from wanting to go out to uh, demonstrations, and it's working. So. Good on you, Trump. <laughs> Good on you. Stifling grassroots movements just like the Democrats. And like Trump and uh, Trump and the Trumpers, it's a terrible band name, Trump and the Trumpers. They act like they they they're they're trying to freak out suburban white voters by being like, look at these Democrat mayors of these Democrat cities where Democrat fires are burning down Democrat building, Republican build. They're built. They're burning down our buildings, the courthouse, the prison. Those are all Republican buildings. Those are paid for by us Republicans and non Democrats. They're burning down our buildings. They're attacking our police. Um. They're at, you know, they're acting, he's acting like the fact that these, these mayors are Democrats means that that's why they're being soft on protesters. (laughs) Like any of the police forces in any of the cities across the country are being soft on the protesters. That, that, that is a non-reality, but it doesn't matter. There's no, like, it doesn't matter because that's the narrative he's pushing and people who listen to Trump believe him inherently, but that's proven Bullshit constantly. Uh, this is Cynthia Nixon. Do people know our mayor and city council, that's New York City, uh, chose to cut critical school staff in order to make sure not one police officer would be laid off? And now we can't open schools safely. He rails against people like Bill de Blasio, while Bill de Blasio cuts funding for schools to make sure that they don't have to fire one fucking pig. Yeah, it's the Democrat. It's the Democrat mayors who are too soft on protesters and don't love the police. Democrat mayors, fucking love the police. They love sicking their pigs on protesters. They love cops. While Trump criticizes Democrat mayors for letting protests get out of control, reality continues to spit in the face of his bullshit narratives. From Seattle to L.A. to New York City to Cincinnati, Ohio, Democrat mayors and city councilors prove themselves to be pro-pig authoritarians time and time again. They love the police. Democrats love the police. And honestly, Biden should lean into that. In some ways, he is. By himself, at least. I love the co- He doesn't say, I love the cops, but he might as well. Biden's not going to defund the police. Biden wants the police to shoot you in the leg instead of the chest. That's Biden. Biden loves the cops. So that, I mean, in, in some ways, that's our only hope is that Trump's narratives are so disjointed and like nonsensical that people are like, I don't, because I, I don't, I don't think your average voter, especially independents, believe anything that Trump is saying in general, much less about Joe Biden being a radical socialist who hates the cops, loves protesters. I mean, he's probably right about the soup. I think Joe Biden probably eats a fair share of soup, but it's, it's infuriating. It's infuriating that Biden is not doing anything to endear himself to people who might vote for him. They're, they're, like I said, they're just going after this wealthy upper middle class pearl clutching white vote of, I don't want my taxes raised and I don't, I don't want no Antifa's coming to my house. That's all they want. And the libs are freaking out this week 
over Michael Moore yet again. The libs, Michael Moore can't catch a break, which should tell you that Michael Moore is uh, right most of the time. The fact that the liberals and the conservatives hate him. The liberals are upset with him because he's telling the truth again. What did he say? Ah, this t- I thought this tweet had what he said. Damn it. Well, whatever. This is from Ryan Knight. Michael Moore is 100% right. Trump is on track to win because he is doing everything he can to energize and turn out his base, while Joe Biden and the DNC are doing everything they can to depress their base by running away from progressive policies that their voters want. Here's what I said when I retweeted that. Biden could win in a historic landslide if he came out today in full support of Medicare for All. Healthcare that costs every single patient in America $0 at the point of service. In a global pandemic, Medicare for All should be the floor. Ask yourself why Joe Biden won't support that. It's because he's funded by private health insurance companies, by Big Pharma. He's in the pocket of Wall Street across the board. Joe Biden will not support Medicare for All, despite that being the one thing that he, he could not support anything else that the progressives want. Could be just Medicare for All, he'd win. Landslide. Come out today. He'll go up in the polls by 20%. Guaranteed. 69% of all voters want Medicare for All. 69%. This is as of April. 69% of all voters want Medicare for All. 68% of independents want Medicare for All. That's the election. That's the election. You've won the election. Medicare for All. For Democrats, it's 78% support. For Republicans, 48% support Medicare for All. Republicans. Will they vote for Biden? I don't know. They're, they're, they're trying to get the Republican vote. That would get at least 48% of it. Support Medicare for all. You don't even have to have John Kasich speak at your fucking convention. Just support Medicare for all. You'll get at least a good percent of the, I'm sorry, 46% of Republicans still. That's a larger, I mean, we're talking different numbers now, but 46% of the country doesn't vote. And I guarantee you'd get at least 5% of those people who don't vote and don't vote for what reason? Because nothing ever changes for them and neither of these parties represent what they want or represent a future that's going to be better for them than the one that they live in right now. So why bother going to vote? I'll bet you could get 5% of those people enough to win the election to come out by supporting Medicare for all. I'm I'm not saying anything that's unique, but it's worth hammering in. Medicare for all is the most popular policy proposal that in the country right now. But you know what? Bernie Sanders is the most popular politician and has been since 2015 in the country, most popular across the board. And the Dems still shut him out. So of course, they're not going to support that. Democrats are not good at much, but they are good at stifling, you know, uh, grassroots movements. And they're good at uh, not supporting shit that's popular. Good at stifling popularity. Find something that's popular? No. AOC? No. Fuck you. Green New Deal? No. Medicare for All? Nope. Bernie Sanders? Go fuck yourself. We don't like popular. But you know what the radical Dems do love? Soup! And then they have cans of soup. Soup. And they throw the cans of soup. That's better than a brick because you can't throw a brick. It's too heavy. But a can of soup, you can really put some power into that, right? Yes, sir. And then when they get caught, they say, no, this is soup from my family. They're so innocent. This is soup for my family. Uh, It's incredible. And you have people coming over with bags of soup, big bags of soup, and they lay it on the ground, and the anarchists take it, and they start throwing it at our cops, at our police. And if it hits you, that's worse than a brick, because it's got force. 
It's the perfect size. It's like made perfect. And when they get caught, they say, no, this is just soup for my family. And then the media says, this is just soup. These people are very, very innocent. They're innocent people. These are just protesters. Isn't it wonderful to allow protesting? No. And by the way, the media knows it better than we do. They know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong. Honestly, quite shocking to hear Donald Trump coming out against the soup and amendment. It is our constitutional right to fill bags with soup and bring them to protests, I guess. I mean, honestly, this seems like such an easy thing to combat, right? You want to protect property, you want to protect your pigs, just line the buildings, fill the pockets of the police with bread bowls. Have Panera sponsor it. They love that shit. Remember how Kylie Jenner did that Pepsi ad? Gave a Pepsi to a protester and a cop and they made up. Solved racism. Do that with but with a Panera bread bowl. They're delicious. They're stale. They got to throw them away every day. Give them to the police. Do a public service, Panera. Don't you love your country? Soup. That's that's a S-O-U-P. Soros owned United Protesters. Uh, syndicate of Unitarian Protestants. Soup. Satisfactory orgasms under prosecution. S-O-U-P, sanctimonious orations undermining peace. And with that, like always, please rate and review on whatever you're listening to this. Five stars only. I don't need anything less than that. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Shrek, like the movie, John, like the Bible. I will be doing at least one show before I leave Cincinnati for the South, and that will be Tuesday, October 6th. I believe it'll be at 8 o'clock. It's in an alleyway in East Walnut Hills in Cincinnati. That's right. In an alleyway. Cincinnati is gentrifying alleyways. That's a city of the future, ladies and gentlemen. They cleaned it up. They filled it with lights. They put tables out. Probably tore down some tents. I don't know if that part's true, but... (laughs) But it's a cool space and there's no cover. So if you're too cheap to spend 10 bucks or you don't have money, like a lot of people don't, come out, support, bring your own drinks. There's businesses right nearby, but if you don't, if you if you want it to be as cheap an experience as possible, bring some booze. There's no 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 one's no one's gonna stop you. Do it. Take care of one another. Namaste.